When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The NFL draft is over. The Titans may have got their future at a handful of positions. Let's talk about it next on the sick podcast, Talking Titans. Sammy, start me up. Turn up your volume. Your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. Talking Titans. Ladies and gentlemen, 94 yards. Touchdown, Titans! He is the baddest man in the NFL! And he just took her to the house! The Sickest Tennessee Titans Podcast. Sick! It's gonna be sick. Welcome back for our third episode in four days as the NFL draft is now over and the Tennessee Titans drafted what could be the future at a handful of positions. Welcome back, Jarrett. We're going to hold it down tonight, just you and I as Salvatore's MIA. We might send out an APB up in North Jersey to get an all-points bulletin on one Salvatore Manfredi. If anyone knows where he's at, please let us know. But more importantly, let's talk about what happened the last few days, Jared. How are we feeling about the Titans draft? Listen, you're seeing a lot of uh, analysis going on by the experts, the draft experts, saying that we had a solid draft. And in my opinion, I made the tweet earlier this morning after after the draft was over, I, I let everything marinate, and I said, hey, you know what? We had a lot of key positions of need in this draft, so I'm very happy with it. We, we had a, a great two offensive linemen. You know, we brought two offensive linemen in there because obviously offensive line was a huge, huge, huge disappointment last year. And Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon really, uh, really tackled it so far this offseason and in the draft. So, I mean, you know, we got potential, you know, starters at all positions. You got a backup running back, Will Levis, and we're going to get into everything right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we should start out, obviously, with the first pick, and that was Peter Skaronsky with the 11th pick of the draft. There was a lot of rumors the day before the draft, the day of the draft, of us trading up for maybe C.J. Stroud. Everyone got us excited with the DeAndre Hopkins rumor as well. Um, it didn't transpire, but guess what? We got what could be one of the safest picks in this draft in Peter Skaronsky. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he could be a potential Hall of Famer. I think at a minimum you're going to get an all-pro all player for multiple years, a starter from day one. An offensive line is never the sexy pick in the first round, you know, but if you look back at what this team has done, you know, Jack Conklin, Taylor Luan, successful picks that we took early. And when you're building a team, I hate to, you know, beat a dead horse, but you build it from the inside out. So if you look at free agency, you look what we did in the draft, we're adding to the offensive line, which is never a bad idea. So 
I know you did your research on Skaronsky. How do we feel about that pick? I'm personally giving it an A+. I mean, you can't go wrong. A lot of people didn't think he would be there at 11, and he was, and we made what I think is the safest pick in the draft. Yeah, safe, safest for sure. And like you said, Ren, Ren played the board well. Uh, he didn't think that Skaronsky was going to be there. A lot of the guys, a lot of the experts, again, had Skaronsky as one of the best uh, offensive tackles or offensive lineman interior too, uh, the best in the draft. So that's a huge plus for us. Uh, he's going to be a staple on this offensive line. So my question to you is, you know, I mean, not even before you even get to the question. Like I said, I brought up into the I brought up the podcast before. He he was the only lineman in the league in the NCAA with 860 plus snaps with six or few pressures. I mean, just to think about that, the guy could be on the island and handle his own. I mean, we got a huge uh, we got a huge piece to that uh, offensive line. So my question to you is, do you plug him in and play him at left tackle? I mean, left tackle or left guard? Uh, I think it's going to be a battle in camp between Dilliard and um, Skronsky. I think you're going to get both of those guys playing snaps at tackle and at guard to see what works best. But what I love about it is the fact that we're even having this conversation, the fact that he is a versatile offensive lineman, and whether he plays tackle or whether he plays guard, he will be a day-one starter. And let's not forget, Dilliard's deal is only a three-year deal where I think after the second year we could probably get out of it um, for next to nothing. So, you know, even if Dilliard starts at tackle day one and we have Skaronsky playing guard, if we need to plug and play Skaronsky at left tackle because Dilliard isn't up to snub, or in two years, if he's not on the team, we can plug and play him at left tackle instead of left guard. I think he's going to start out as a guard. I think it's a bit of an easier transition for an offensive lineman coming into the league to start out as a guard as opposed to a tackle. But I would not be surprised at all, at all, if he started out as left tackle and Billiard was our left guard. Like you said, I think it was only six pressures he allowed, which to me is just absolutely insane. You know, it's absurd. He snaps. That's yeah, it, it, it's it's absolutely wild. And I think that, you know, sometimes even a player can get unlucky and let up, you know, 10 pressures, 15 pressures. But yep. the fact that this kid only let up six pressures out of all those snaps, to me, I mean, it only speaks to his ability. And I think yep. we can put him at left tackle. We can put him at left guard. But I'm going to say for argument's sake, day one, he starts out at left guard. How do you I def- feel about it? I, de- I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, just because let's not forget, uh, Dilliard was drafted in the first round. Yep. And it was a hell of an offensive tackle at uh, Washington, State, Washington State. So uh, with those two, and he was in a crowded <laughs> offensive line room in, in uh, Philadelphia. Absolutely. I mean, well, he kind of got the shit end of the stick. I mean, he he's he, starting he, Tennessee now. Yeah, he failed to stay healthy in Philly. And then Mylotta kind of took over the job and never looked back. And, you yeah. know, that happens. But. The kid has immense ability, and we're going to see how it plays out on the left side of the offensive line. But the fact that he is that versatile only speaks to his ability. But I'm going to assume that he plays left guard from day one. But obviously in camp, I think you're going to see them play both positions. And however it works out best is how Rabel is going to you know, start him and Dilliard, whether it's left guard, left tackle, we'll see. Yeah. Um, I love how the line is shaping up already so far. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. people want to complain that we didn't go JSN, and I understand. But guess yeah. what? How many of us complained all year long about how atrocious this offensive line was? And then you have Titans fans complaining that we drafted an offensive lineman. Yeah. So it's like you can't have it both ways. I and know. Yet, we JSN, wanted everything. 
Exactly. You know, and, and I understand that, you know, JSN would have been the sexy pick, but I think you can never go wrong with a guard or an offensive lineman that could play guard and tackle. Yeah. He's going to be a perennial pro bowler, all pro, hopefully a hall of famer and is with us for the next 10 years. Yeah. So I like the pick, you know, it's hard to get excited over an offensive lineman, but we bitched and complained all last year about that line. And what did they do in free agency? They addressed it. What did they do in the draft? They addressed it. So sometimes it's just hard to please everybody. Um, but I love the pick. But what we did after that, I think, is what everybody wants to talk about a little because we have some kids already saying this kid is going to be a bust. He's going to be in the XFL in a few years. Then you have your people who think he was the best quarterback in the draft. So at 33, with the technically was the second pick in the second round, um, but there was no 32nd pick that was in the first round this year because of the forfeited pick by the Dolphins. So in the second, with the second pick in the second round, the Titans traded up and they traded away what a third rounder next year to they move swapped, up. They, they swapped thirds. Uh, they swapped thirds. They gave up a third round next year. And I think something else. Um, well, either way we traded up and gave away a high pick next year to go get what could be our future franchise quarterback and Will Levis. So how do we feel about that? Because I know the other night you and I were basically kind of shitting on him a little bit, but now yeah. we have no choice but to support him. So <clears throat> we have no choice to support him is right. I mean, I was not a fan of the pick. I, I would have rather had a receiver in Mingo or Michael Mayer, like I, we talked about uh, live on uh, Saturday night. I think it was. Yes. Yeah. Friday Friday night. Um, Friday night. Yeah, Friday night. Yep. <clears throat> Friday night. I have some things, you know, I was bored today, so I put a scouting report on all the all of our draft picks. So, like I said be, uh, before, his pros for Will Levis, he's tough as nails, big arm, physical, strong in the pocket, good mobility. That's what we always talked about on this podcast that Ryan Tannehill kind of lacked. So, I mean, it's a positive going forward if this guy um, takes over next year because I don't believe it's going to be this year. I think they're going to play out Ryan Tannehill's contract, and he's going to sit for one year because he was not fully healthy last year at Kentucky, even with the toe injury. So sit, learn, develop. Start start uh, in year two. His cons, we also talked about on Friday night. He has frozen eyes. He's con he's uh, inconsistent with his field vision and anticipation when he throws the ball. Late on the trigger and gives defenders more time to get to the wide receivers. So, I mean, how, how many project quarterbacks are we going to take at this point? You know, Malik Willis kind of had the same um, scouting report a little bit. Um, I know it's a, everyone talks about, oh, the risk and reward. Yeah, the risk and reward. I want that stone-cold um, cock. Yeah, concrete lock at quarterback to say this is a can't miss Andrew Luck type guy. So I don't want to be in limbo and be like, oh man, I'm sweating because we want the Super Bowl just as much as any uh, any other team. And we got a new stadium coming uh, in in 2027. So you know you want to you want to be a winning team with a great quarterback in 2027 by the time this all rolls out. So what do you think of uh, Mr. Benani and um, Will Levis? Well, I was going to say, if we, we don't want to start on the cons, but you forgot to add that he puts mayonnaise in his coffee no, well, and eats yeah, the banana it. with the peels on it. Yeah. Although he did come out and say that that's just a joke. I don't even know, even though I'm a jokester, if I would joke like that because you're just compromising. Mr. Mr. Titan did it uh, yeah. on uh, – on Twitter the other night, he ate the banana with the yeah. I mean, let's not, I've, been drinking, I've been drinking black coffee since I was like 15 Same. years old. So Same. you know, you're you're compromising the integrity of the coffee with cream and sugar, Gosh. let alone fucking mayonnaise. So hopefully that's a joke. But like you said, big guy, 6'3", 225, 230, cannon of an arm. 
Um, tough kid, mobile, athletic. But at the end of the day, like you said, what scares me is the fact that he seems to lock on to receivers. He seems to get happy feet sometimes in the pocket. The Orlovsky clip kind of I was having nightmares about where he had a clean pocket, could have checked it down to the running back, but decided to run right into his offensive lineman because he was trying to make a play with his legs. Um, now at Kentucky, I've heard that he did have a receiving core that wasn't all that talented. He had an offensive line that was probably the worst in the SEC. But at the end of the day, I mean, that could very well happen in the NFL too. So you want to have a quarterback who can adjust to those things. Can he adjust to it? We'll see. Now, at first, when we first drafted him, I think you and I kind of agreed we should maybe let him sit for a year behind Tannehill. But the only thing that kind of scares me when I sit back and think about it is because we didn't get him in the first round, we got him in the second, we don't have that fifth-year option. So if we sit him this year, we're only going to have three years to figure out what he can do. So I can completely understand why someone would want to bench him, not bench him, but let him sit behind Tannehill for a year, let him learn, let him get adjusted to the NFL and the speed of it. But then there's a part of me that's like, well, if you do that, and Tannehill's obviously gone next year, you're only going to have three years for this kid to prove what he can do. Now, people will say, well, that should be enough time to figure out whether he's your guy or not. True, but at the end of the day, I'd rather kind of – part of me starting to wish that, you know, maybe we release Tannehill after June 1st, save the $27 million, maybe go sign um, a receiver, maybe go make a splash, who knows, for a Hopkins. I'm still holding on to that dream. But maybe we cut Tannehill, save the $27 million, and throw this kid in from day one and see what happens because at the end of the day, I'd rather see what he can do over four years as opposed to three. So we'll see what they do. I do think at worst he will be our second-string quarterback. I think Malik Willis will – you know, I don't wish any any bad on the kid, but I think either we trade him for, you know – whatever, a seventh-round pick, or we release him. But I do think going forward, if Tannehill, you know, is there, it's going to be Tannehill and Levis. If, um, you know, Tannehill isn't gone, then we're going to probably have to keep Malik. That's neither here nor there. But there's a part of me who kind of wants him to start from day one to see what he could do. Um, but yeah, we'll but with see. This, with this depleted wide receiving core, I mean, yeah, you're gonna, you are gonna you could try to get somebody in Rabel and uh, Carton. Uh, touched on it on the press conference the other day that he said, just because the draft's over, Monday's Monday. We can go sign uh, players in free agency still. You know, we can go trade. We can go make trades. We understand that the wide receiver room is basically shit, yeah. right? So, I mean, obviously they know that they they didn't do that, and especially them trolling us with the wave on, uh, you know, when they, when they were picking. It, it was funny, but, like, they obviously know. They're the pros. We're just the guys that say, hey, this guy's out there. Go get him in the sixth round. Like, who? how many sixth-round draft picks are, are that dude? You know, I mean, um, yeah, for, Dick, every, for, every, Dick, for every Stephon yeah. Dick, there's a million guys who yeah. don't care. And he was drafted that. in the fourth, too. Fifth, I think. Yeah, I mean, either way. So, I mean – for us to pound the table like that, it's kind of stupid. So they, they obviously know that too. So, I mean, they know what they're doing, but I, I was, I was talking today to my brother, like, you know, wide receivers are so bad. I know. I mean, I mean, we're getting a little off script here, but just to talk about it, um, the wide receivers are so bad. Uh, they said there's, there could be cuts coming, you know, uh, before training camp or after training camp. There's a core Corey Davis signing, uh, come back. Hell, Hell, people may people may make fun of me right now, but if you look at what's out there right now, the only person that I would try to kind of give a contract to would be a one-year deal for $2 million to Kenny Galladay. I don't know what the hell happened to him in, in New York. 
You got paid a lot of money and stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Something has to give. Give him a prove it deal. He's a big target. Who knows? I mean, I would take him over a fucking NWI at this point. I I wouldn't hate that, I guess. Um, He doesn't seem like he's a variable guy. If you're a lazy receiver, like it seems like Galladay was, excuse me, in New York, then I don't think it's going to work out in Tennessee when you have a coach like Vrabel who ain't going to take your shit. I'm a big Jarvis Landry fan. I know he's over the hill, but guess what? He played with Tannehill in Miami. I think he's a class act. I think he would be a great mentor to our younger guys. And I think that you can get him for pennies on the dollar for a one-year deal for for a few million. And why not? I I still think he can play ball a little bit. But most importantly, at this point in his career, he's going to be a mentor to our younger guys. He's got a bit of a connection with Tannehill if you're going to keep him. But it's it's also sad that you and I are clamoring for Kenny Galladay and Jarvis Landry. And then you have the rest of Titans Twitter clamoring for Corey Davis, which yeah. – at, at the, at the, in the same breath, I wouldn't be mad if they brought him back either. Um, but speaking of, of offensive weapons, someone we drafted in the third round who I was very excited over, even though I wish we would have took Darnell Washington, was Tajay Spears. Um, electric talent, can catch the ball out of the backfield, had I think 17, 1,800 all-purpose yards between rushing and receiving, over 20 touchdowns um, between rushing and receiving. Obviously, there's concerns about his knee. They're saying he doesn't have an ACL. And in that case, I don't give a shit. He's got explosiveness. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and I have an exercise science degree. It took me five years to get a four-year degree, but I know a little bit about the body. <laughs> and what happens is, in that case, when the ACL is completely gone, what your body basically does is it builds up a bunch of scar tissue to kind of take its place. I'm not too worried about it because, obviously, he had this issue at uh, Tulane, and it didn't seem to hinder his ability. Plus, I don't think this kid's going to be getting 20 touches a game. He's going to be getting between 5 to 10 touches a game, maybe. But electrifying talent, pretty decent size. I think, what was he, about 5'10", 200 pounds. Yeah, 5'10", 200 pounds. Not the biggest, not the smallest, but maybe a compliment. Finally, we find for Henry um, to you know compliment his bruising style. We got a quick guy out of the backfield who can catch the ball. And going forward, you know, we're going to have to look for life after Henry one day, as sad as it may be. Maybe he could be that guy. We'll see. I'm not too worried about the knee. I was talking to uh, my brother on the phone about running backs because he said, what do you think you guys are going to do, like, in the middle rounds? you going to add a receiver? you going to add a back? And I said, absolutely. And then there's a kid from Tulane who I absolutely love. I couldn't think of his name at the moment, but we ended up drafting him. So I understand the concerns about his knee, but it didn't seem to hinder him in uh, his last year at Tulane. And I don't think he's going to be carrying such a load where we have to worry about it early on in his career in Tennessee. We'll see how that plays out. And then we didn't have a fourth round. Well, before I go on, do you? how do you feel about just, just Just to reiterate what you're trying to say is because you took a lot of – a lot of what I was going to say uh, right out. You hit everything. I have electric runner pairs well with Henry. He's going to show, he showed absolutely showed out at the senior ball this year. Everybody yeah. was talking to him. I think he even got an award at the senior ball. Uh, Cause I actually watched the senior ball. I said, who the hell is this guy, man? He shows elusive speed. And that's what I have here. Great elusiveness. And he's a, he's a major long run speeder. And he's a human highlight reel basically. So if you pair him with Henry and you give him 12 touches a game, just to take the just to take the load off of Henry going into his uh-huh. last year's contract, get this guy in open space, you know, go yep. two two running back sets and have him yep. go out there, Henry, you know, Henry go out into the flat too. I mean, that that's just another um 
another weapon to this offense too out of the backfield. And also in college, in total, he had a 6.9 average per carry. That's wild. That's, that's wild too for a five-time guy like that. Or, yeah, seven yeah. yards a clip. So, yeah. I mean, this this guy can play football, man. So I'm not worried about that ACL at all. Because he hasn't, because he doesn't have one, so there's nothing yeah. to worry about. Yeah. Uh, um, but then we'll it skip. Is the, it is the it is the diamond of the rough, I think, out of all of our picks, though. I agree, and there's a lot of people bitching and complaining about the fact that you know his knee could be a problem. But guess what? You're paying this kid next to nothing for four yeah. years. If he doesn't work out, he doesn't work out. But what does, I that, think- what does that have to say about like uh, Haskins? And um, Dontre Hilliard, are they are they moving on with him? Obviously, because because Tajay Spears is a different runner than uh, Hassan ha- Haskins. I think that Haskins was a um, John Robinson guy, obviously. So who knows how Rand Carthon feels about him? I think we're probably done, unfortunately, with Hilliard. He gave us some yeah. great memories. Was a great um, sub for Henry when Henry got hurt. When we had him and Dante Foreman, but I think going forward this year, it's going to be at least three running backs make the roster. And I'm going to say it's obviously going to be Henry Spears and Haskins would love to keep Hillier, but I just don't think there's going to be room for him. We'll see though. We did not have a fourth round pick. If I believe in the fifth round, we took uh, John Wiley, I believe. Josh, Josh, sorry, Josh Wiley. If you're listening, Josh Wiley in the fifth round, monster of a human being, six, six, two, six, seven. Six, six seven. seven. Don't shake. Don't 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 take an inch off of him. No, That's trust a big me, I, boy. I wish I had an extra inch in a few different ways. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, <laughs> w- what are you gonna do? But I like his athleticism. Look very elusive in space for someone that big. Um, you know, I know a lot of people wanted us to go with my boy At Perry in that round, but I think this is gonna be a nice compliment to Chig. Like you said, you're a big fan of the twelve personnel. I think we're yep. gonna get a lot of that this year. And Chig is your Chig is your athletic tight end who's going to run every route in the book, side, speed, and then Wiley's going to be like your freaking nature. I think your big boy who's going to block, who's going to do everything you're asked of him. So when they first picked him, I was like, "Who's this guy?" And then they showed his highlights. You know, only had three or four hundred yards, I think, this year and a few touchdowns. But at the end of the day. Not many college tight ends put up gaudy numbers, and the ones that do get picked in the first few rounds. But a great value pick, I believe, in the fifth round, monster of a of a human being, and I think he's going to be a contributor, most likely, probably from from day one. So how do you I'm sure? Feel about sure, it? sure as I hope so. At six seven two fifty, this kid runs a four six forty. Yeah, kid's Athletic. fast. He's got he's got speed. Man, and in his career, he had 88 uh, receptions, uh, 1,062 yards, and 15 touchdowns. So he definitely has a nose for the end zone. Again, two tight end sets, throw this man the ball, 6-7 target in the red zone. Kid's got speed, huge receiving profile, high points the ball very well, and he's very versatile um, on the field. Um, and had to play in some big games, too, because Cincinnati yeah. was a playoff Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, some of his cons, though, um, I was reading some some people, you know, with the scouting reports, and I've seen um, his run after the catch ability. He's just a catch it and drop kind of guy. Uh, his run blocking, which is kind of weird because Vrabel loves run blocking tight ends, as we know. Don't Jeff Swaim. See you later, buddy. <laughs> um, but, but, pairing, but pairing him with uh, Chig. Uh, is going to be an absolute nightmare with whole personal, I think, because uh, you know a huge target like this young kid running four six. Because I think yeah. Chig was Chig. I think he is the fastest tight end in this draft, and Chig was the the fastest tight end in last year's draft. So I mean, we got monsters. So hopefully they're trying to build some. We just need a wide receiver to pair with that now. 
tell me about it. Uh, but in the sixth round, we did not address the receiver position. We addressed another offensive lineman who they talk pretty highly of, uh, Kuiper and the crew, yep. when they got drafted. Um, Daniel, Daniel Jeremiah loves them before you even, before you even say anything. And what's his name again? I'm sorry. Jalen Duncan. He's a 6'6 monster of a man, 360 pounds. Everyone calls him the diamond in the rough. They said that he is the more pro-ready tackle in this year, just this year's class and could possibly be the best offensive lineman that comes out of this draft in a couple of years to come. So that's some high praise. Yeah, that's when I saw that, I wrote that down real quick after what DJ said. I said, okay, let's go. Uh, technically experienced, and he blocks on an island, and he wins every single time, they say. So, I mean, again, you go from Dennis Daly to a guy like this and a guy like Peter Skaronsky, you got uh, Andre Dilliard now, and uh, Burnskill. I mean, our offensive line with four guys right there, love it so far. Absolutely. I mean, you can never go wrong with adding someone else to the offensive line room. Like you said, we added those guys in free agency. You know, do sixth, seventh round draft picks pan out in general? Most of the time not. You know, offensive linemen, most of the time not. But like you said, a lot of people called him the diamond in the rough um, at the offensive line position in this draft. And I'm all for it. You know, you can never go wrong with taking another lineman. And you got to think that Chig probably had nothing but great things to say about him because that was his teammate over in Maryland. Um, So – and if you look at all the players we drafted, very, very intelligent. You brought that up. That just that, gonna say that. Yeah, that test that they talked about. Not saying scoring high on tests are gonna bring you to a Super Bowl, but it's clear that going forward, Tennessee wants to add a certain type yep. of player. A player that's intelligent, a player that possesses high athleticism at every position, a player that possesses high intelligence at every position. And I think if you add enough of those guys, hopefully you hit on more of them than you don't so in the sixth round we took a flyer on this kid and i'm all for it and guess what when you're with the tennessee titans and their offensive line we say he's a sixth round pick he can end up being a starter sooner rather than later absolutely but if you look at what the titans did in free agency and in the draft we clearly added to our biggest need and that was the offensive line so again a lot of titans fans were upset about it he's an offensive lineman he's not a receiver this that and third but in the same breath, we also bitched all year about how we had no time to throw. Henry was getting hit in the backfield. Henry ran for almost 1,550 yards with the worst offensive line in football. So the way we retooled this offensive line, if Henry, knock on wood, can stay healthy, um, I think he can have another monster year. Finally, in the seventh round, we took a receiver from University of Tennessee, Martin, I believe the name of the college is. Jared, I'll let you start with this because I know you played little receiver in high school, maybe not tall or uh, fast or whatnot, but I'm sure you're a really good blocker. I'm sure Vrabel would have really loved you on his Yeah, Vrabel, Vrabel definitely would have loved me. <laughs> not, not, not a burner. I ran a 4.7, so I did have hands, though. Okay, um, all right. The, kid, the kid's 6'3", uh, 2'11". Uh, holds the all-time record at UT Martin, which what, what says much, I have 2,700 yards and 19 touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It's a seventh-round coin flip at this point. What he did have, Colton Dow? Colton, uh, yeah, Dowell. Something like uh, that. Yeah. I, I don't, hopefully he makes us remember his name. Yeah, hopefully he does that. All, all I know is just a couple things I wrote down for him. He has 600-yard games in 2022. He did have 100 yards against University of Tennessee, uh, like everybody said. Um, it's a coin flip. They just probably yeah. just – they picked him because he's a hometown kid, and they said, "Fuck it, we need a wide receiver." Yeah, which which is which is very weird to me. Now we went through every single draft pick we had. 
there's there's a constant there's a constant uh thing going on here. We went all offense for the first time, I think, in the draft. Good, right? We needed to. What I'm about about that? What about what about value picks on the defense? Yeah, I understand that, but I also think we addressed uh, a lot of that in uh, undrafted free agents. I was a big fan of the kid they took from Eastern Kentucky. Last name's McClendon. Randomly saw some clips from him on Twitter from somebody. I don't know who it was. Someone I follow that posted clips of someone that they thought could be a late round sleeper. And the kid is fucking nasty, man. So as far as the undrafted free agents that we signed, um, you know, I don't know all of them. I know we got this kid and I was happy about it. I, I have one when you're done. Who's okay. It? Think is going to be an absolute star, hopefully. Well, we got that kid Copeland, the receiver from Maryland, too. We got the receiver from um, Georgia as well. Yeah. So, you know, we uh, picked a player from the national champion, so can never be too mad about that to add a shout, out, shout out your boy to running back from Cincinnati. What was his name? Uh, Charles Mc, McLean, McClellan or something McC- like that? No, no, that was the – that was the um, McClendon. That's the guy from from Eastern Kentucky, the defensive oh, I line. That, no, I thought that was the uh, running back from Cincinnati. No, I mean no, we not a running back from Cincinnati. But the guy I was talking about was uh, McClendon. He's a defensive end from um, Eastern Kentucky. We did also take a kid from Division Two. That's who I have right here from Ferris yeah. State, Division Two, Caleb Murphy, edge guy. What a fucking machine this kid is. 25 sacks set the 20, 25 and a half sacks led all NCAA divisions and 39 tackles for a loss last year. Are so you kid's fucking kidding me? Kid's yeah. a monster. Kid's those a stats monster. all those stats alone. I don't give a shit what college you go to. 39 tackles for a loss and 25 and a half sacks. Hope this kid pans out, man. That is the diamond of the rough for undrafted free agents so far. Yeah, we'll see how it works out. I mean, usually there's a handful of them. They maybe make the team every year. But as far as going all offense in this draft, I think that we have a lot of faith in this defense. I think we have one of the top three to five defensive lines in this league. Uh, We still have the best safety in this league, in my opinion, Kevin Byard. If not the best, he's also top five at his position. We have a cornerback room that I think is still young and has ability. Um, so I think we have a lot of confidence in our defense. Could we have taken a defensive player with one of our six picks? Sure. But I think where we really needed to improve upon was the offensive side of the ball. Definitely agree. So could you say, yeah, we could have took someone in the sixth round instead of the guy from Maryland, or we could have took someone in the seventh round instead of the receiver from UT Martin. But guess what? I think this team had a plan going into the draft. Um, They stuck to it. They drafted all offensive players, and we'll see how it works out. You know, I think we have complete confidence in this defense. It's a defense that was still top in the league last year without Harold Landry. We're getting him back. Oh, we had so many injuries, dude. So exactly. many. And we added we added players, uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, Aziz nope. Al-Shair. Nope. Um, I know there's another name. I'll forget. Arden Key. Yeah. So I think this defense is going to be just fine, and nope. I think that's another reason why we – we picked all offensive players. We'll see how it works out. Um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. I still think this is a winnable division. Um, you know, time will tell. But I'm I'm not mad about this draft. You know, a lot of Twitter GMs are saying, oh, it was awful. Levis is going to oh, yeah. be lost. And we didn't take a receiver until the seventh round. And we could have took JSN. But, you know, a lot of Twitter GMs are Twitter GMs for a reason. And that's because, you know. 
they don't know shit. So I think if you look at it from the big picture, we added uh, to the offensive line in free agency and in the draft. We took a quarterback that was a value pick that people were talking about could have been a top five pick all week. Indy said if Richardson was gone, they were going to take him at four. Who knows if there's any truth to that. But with the 33rd pick and us trading up to get him, you know, you got to think that they like this kid. So we'll see, you know, if he starts from day one, if we cut Tannehill, um, we'll see how it plays out. But all in all, you know, I'll give this draft a B plus, you know, uh, we'll see how it works out. Obviously, we don't know yet, but that's my grade for them. Um, other than that, though, anything else you'd like to add? No, I mean, you're going a little uh, you're going a little south on me with a B plus. I, I would definitely give it an A. I'm not okay. giving an A minus or an A plus. Uh, like I said, I love the picks of uh, Duncan and uh, Skaronsky. I love Josh Wiley at tight end, six seven monster of a man. And Tajay Spears is, like I said, a diamond in a rough, and I think he's going to be a great complement to Derrick Henry. And uh, the biggest coin flip of, of this whole entire draft, which everybody believes that he could have been possibly the best player almost in this draft or best quarterback in this draft, is Will Levis. I'm not saying as of today – that I don't support the kid. I do support the kid. He's on my favorite football team. I'm doing a podcast for Christ's sakes about it. Okay. I just wasn't, I'm not a fan of him. I, I don't know if I believe in him yet. He played in a pro, he played in a pro style offense at Kentucky. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know much really about him. I know that CJ Stroud was him. I know yeah. Bryce Young was him. I need, I need to see. The Josh Rose, not Josh Rosen, Jesus Christ. Josh, Josh Allen, comp yeah. that everyone's saying he is. He's got the height, he's got the weight, he's got a cannon of an arm. So does Josh Allen. I need yeah, to see I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of Bills fans that weren't high on Josh Allen getting picked yeah. seventh out of Wyoming. And yeah. you know, even his early on in his career, he he was struggled. Not all that great, but with time and patience and surrounding him with real ability, you know, he's one of the premier quarterbacks in this league now. So well, that's, opinion, why, that's that's why my bad. That's why coaching plays a huge factor into this, because who was his coach, quarterback coach the last couple of years up in Buffalo? Brian Dable. Brian okay. Dable did wonders. With Daniel, um, with Daniel Jones this year, so now you, we're we're inserting uh, Charles London over here with uh, Tim Kelly running the offense. Tim Kelly uh, ran the offense with Deshaun Watson and developed him into an unstoppable passer before he kind of uh, went to the that's massage parlors. Yeah, yeah, he went to the he went to the massage parlors. You know, but Charles London's supposed to be this guy. Tim Kelly's supposed to be this guy. I hope to God, for all of our sakes as yeah. Titan fans, that this kid develops. Into to be our star going into this new stadium now in 2027 too, so I'm praying. Yeah, and Jonathan Vogel, I mean, I brought him up, you know, on the last podcast as well. Kim is very intelligent, our draft yeah. analyst, and he knows Charles London personally. I think he said believes yep. and he is a phenomenal quarterbacks coach, and I think that Tennessee and their staff has full faith in what he's going to do. With Will Levis, I think he's going to coach him up. And now we have nothing to be but be optimistic because guess what? There's no point in hoping the kid fails. We got to hope that he pans out because guess what? If he pans out, if all of our other picks don't pan out, but he pans out, this draft was a win. And oh, yeah. we know the going to pan out because yeah. those linemen that get drafted that high, maybe not nine times out of ten or eight times out of ten, but let's just say seven out of ten times, those linemen that get picked that high usually pan out. Um, it translates to the NFL well. So let's say he pans out, and if Levis can pan out, 
then this draft was a win. And God forbid Skronsky doesn't pan out. If Levis pans out and we have our guy for the next decade, I don't give a fuck if every other pick is a bust because this fan, this fan base and this franchise has needed a quarterback since our boy McNair, RIP, literally, I'm not going to talk about what happened, but we haven't had a franchise quarterback since McNair. Okay, mm-hmm. we're going on, what, 15, 20 years now? You know, so if this kid can be it, then by all means, this draft was a win. Time will tell. I think we're going to be patient with them. I think there's going to be an adjustment phase, as there usually is with quarterbacks. Very rarely do they just come in day one and light up the league. Um, Even Mahomes sat his rookie year. So we'll see what happens and what their plan is with him. But we have nothing to be, like I said, but to be optimistic. So I'm all for it. I'm all in. Anything else you would like to say? Just uh, it was a great draft. Hopefully uh, going forward uh, in this week, we can get some fans on to get their reactions to the uh, draft and whether they like Will Levis, hate Will Levis, love the picks. We don't know. Hopefully we can get some uh, special guests on here. I know we have a a list that is written down of some really, really, really special guests. Hopefully we get on soon. And uh, And at this point, I think Sal would be a special guest. He's (laughs) in the podcast. I just – I mean, I hope something keeps going on. You know, hopefully we see something like a receiver getting signed. Um, looking forward to the uh, rookie mini camps here in, I think, two weeks. I think they, they report. Yeah. Um, and then we have the schedule release May 11th. So we'll see uh, what our beloved Titans will be doing, where they're going to be playing. Uh, so maybe we can start scheduling some trips up to a games. Absolutely. And the Thursday night podcast was sponsored by Rolling Rock. The Friday night one was sponsored by Jack Daniels. This yeah. one on Sunday night is sponsored by Peroni, my favorite beer. <laughs> if you're going to drink, drink Italian. Sammy, take us out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast, Talking Titans, on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.